Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Welcome to Nightlight, everybody. So glad you could join us. It's, it's going to be an adventure definitely today. And, and of course, all shows are adventures. Uh, this one hits a lot, of, a lot of the magical parts of my life so that I'm, I am delighted to have um, the authors of The Lost Book of the Grail with us tonight. And I, I really strongly urge you to go find this book and read it because it will give you a richer, greater understanding of the grail and um, pull you into a lot more of the magic behind all of the, uh, all of the myths that, that we have heard over time. I will bet you you haven't gone into the grail in this particular way. This book unveils the long-forgotten prequel to the grail quest stories. Cat, Cat, Kathleen and John Matthews. I apologize, I'm going to mess up your name all over the place. Examine the elucidation of the Grail, a forgotten 13th century French text, and show how it offers the key to understanding the sevenfold path of the Grail and the deeper stories between the Christian Grail narrative. Beginning with a new translation of the elucidation by foremost esoterist Gareth Knight and Catelyn Matthews, the authors provide a complete commentary on the poem, revealing a startling alternative cause of the wasteland and the grail quest, one which has a profound resonance to our own times. They examine the forgotten story of the fairy wars and explain the fairy accord, an agreement that once existed between humans and the fairy and upon which the spiritual and physical health of the land depends. The offering of the grail and its regenerative powers by the maidens of the Wells Fairy Woman was part of this accord. King Amagons and his men 
violated the accord and through their abuse of the well maidens and other evil actions causing the wasting of the land the knights of king arthur sought to avenge the well maidens and rebirth the grail to restore access to the lost paradise paradisical courts of joy held in ancestral memory in their quest they encounter the rich company whose greed keeps the knights occupied in long wars of attrition Yet their quest to withdraw the generous hospitality of the wells, the true grail, and the fairy grail continues. In addition to the fairy accord and knight's quest, the authors examine the seven guardians of the stories, the rich fisher, the courts of joy, the paradise lost, and the otherworldly land of wisdom. They show how their lost book of the Grail reveals themes familiar to the modern world and offers hope of healing at the rift between the worlds of fairy and human, as well as restoration of our natural belonging to the land. Something that, that I think all of us have to really take, take um, responsibility for because we have lost our connection to the earth and it's important that we get it back. So welcome to the show. Kathleen and John Matthews. Hello. Hi there. Hello. Great to be Hi here. Hi there. I just, I, I'm so delighted that you're here because I, I always am looking for deeper meaning and understanding of, of so much of the mystical world that is out there that, that in many ways isn't really, it's only mystical because we don't have physical evidence of it. And and your book is just an amazing, amazing explanation of so much more than than most of us have learned about the Grail Quest and King Arthur and all of that, that I think you bring a greater importance to the story and a greater depth of understanding of the Grail and what it meant to humanity as a whole. It, it wasn't, it wasn't just a, a simple artifact. It was, a way of life, and and I think it's important that people come to understanding of of the depth of meaning behind the Grail Quest. Well, I mean, thank you. I mean, it's, that's a lovely endorsement of uh, of our work. Um, I mean, I I think the the Grail itself doesn't necessarily ever have to have or have had a physical existence. It is, as you said yourself, a way of life. It goes beyond all that. Um, you know, there, you, you'll hear lots of stories, as I'm sure you and your listeners have, um, about the different objects around the world that are the grail. But, of course, they all are, and also they're not. That's the, wonderful, um, that's the wonderful thing about them, that they are, um, they are both all of those things and none of those things. And, in fact, you could say... I think I have somewhere um, uh, that the Grail is everything to everyone, but each of them will see it in their own way. But also, oh, there are so many different stories, uh, and um, you know, the, the Grail story is not just a one story. It's told in very many different um, parts of our history through time, um, and although this particular text that we've translated the um, the Elucidation, this 13th century French text. Um, there are earlier stories and much later stories, uh, and of course they all they all rest on an earlier um, mythic corpus, which is kind of um, you know, like the undercarpeting of, of the myth. 
uh, which a lot of people don't see and don't understand. So we've been trying to um, give the connections that, that run between those times, medieval times and our own times, because um, this isn't a story that's finished yet. Well, it, you know, it's, it's wonderful material for, for an amazing um, animated about, about or, or even, even kind of like the Lord of the Rings material. It goes, it goes that, that much more deeply into why there is the quest and what caused the loss of, of the grail. And, and it doesn't, it, it, it to me is, is such an amazing story that it's even the the story that leads up to King Arthur is even more profound than the story of King Arthur and his knights. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's interesting because we know very little about about the uh, the origin of this. We don't know who wrote it. It's anonymous, um, but he seems he or she, whoever it was that wrote it, seems to have understood what the Grail was about in a way that almost no one else had before or since. I mean, it's described as a, as a prelude uh, to the whole Grail myth, but of course, in actual fact, it's completely different. Um, you know, I mean, they call it the lucidation, the, the explanation, if you like, the illumination of the Grail. But in fact, it makes it even more mysterious, which is fascinating. But I think that's the whole point oh, of the yeah. poem. I mean, it's... 484 lines, which you kind of think, well, it can't be, you know, carrying the whole structure of this myth, but it sort of does. Um, and if you just read it aloud, um, the things that occur to you as you are reading it um, are, are immensely profound. And of course, that's the work of, of both myth and poetry, and that it's able to essentialize um, that which is inexplicable in ordinary terms and words and storytelling. Um, so that it, it holds everything up and bears the story. So um, going be, going behind um, the lines of those um, of, of that poem um, leads us into this extraordinary mythic hinterland, um, which is not unexplored. Um, a lot of literary and Arthurian scholars have have been here, um, but some of them not to very much moment. Um, they're much more interested in what text leads to another text and that sort of thing. But actually, you know, what a myth is telling us is, is more important um, in, well, in yeah, but, stories. But it's so magical. I mean, the seven guardians, the rich fisher, the courts of joy. I mean, it, it's, there's just so much wonderful material there that, that um, and, and each of those, each of those aspects, are a story within themselves. I mean, I love, I love the the, the Rich Fisher story, and, and I, it just, it it just was such a magical time for me. And I and you know, the Well Maidens and their their story and 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 how how they were unfortunately abused, and then the story goes on from there, and then Arthur and his knights wanting to avenge them, and then finding that the, the people they're fighting are really the, the, the progenies of the, um, of the well maidens, so they can't kill them off. And so it, 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 it's a wonderful, wonderful story. It just it, it, it needs to be expanded and made into a trilogy. 
But you need, but I mean, it already is, you know, because all the other Grail stories that ever there are, and there are very many in lots of different languages. Um, yeah. You know that yeah. the, they they are they are sort of amplifications of parts of the story, um, uh, and some of them are completely different. But I mean, what I love about this is that you know that this is a story that happens long before um, Arthur and his knights come along. Uh, this is a story that has already under underlain their story, and it's sort of we we're not told what the distance of time is between one and the other story that's been long told, and it's a tradition that's been forgotten, and so we assume it's quite a long period of time. So it's already in mythic time before Arthur comes along, which is just so wonderful. Um, and so it's a story. It's a story that's already started before we start reading. And if you, if, you, if you choose to, you know, there are some wonderful collections um, around out there. I mean, a very good friend of ours, Nigel, um, Nigel Bryant? Nigel Bryant. Nigel Bryant um, wrote something uh, rather audaciously called The Complete Book of the Grail, which, of course, would be hard <laughs> to imagine. But he assembled a lot of these, including another translation of the Lucidation, which is pretty much the same as ours. Um, but he connects it up in a more somatic way. So, in fact, you don't have a trilogy, but you do have a lot there that could carry you on um, in, in, for those, those who want to follow up and what mm. happens next, if you like. Um, because um, Chrétien started, started, kicked the ball into... Chrétien de Troyes, yes, yeah, indeed. He kicked the ball onto the, on the pitch, as it were, um, first. And, of course, his story breaks off. And everyone went... Oh my God, it's missing. There's no end. And so there came along <laughs> another writer who we called the first continuator, who just like a scriptwriter in Hollywood, just says, "Okay, so we don't have any more, so I'll write a new series," and um, and so on. And so there were three continuators that that sort of just said, "Well, that can't be all the story, so I'll just write some more." Um, and so we have this series coming along, writing another bit of it, you know. Um, so I, I just love this. And of course, we're so used to this, you know, we're used to the ongoing, ongoing voyages of the Starship Enterprise, for example, which throughout our lifetime have been going on. And now we're in so many other series and, you know, people can riff on them and we can understand all the things that are within them. You know, we can say things like, beam me up, Scotty. And, um, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, and we all understand what that means. And we were all delighted with the, the little, you know, sort of trip up phone sort of came along because then we could all pretend to be beamed up. But, so, uh -huh. you know, there are all sorts of themes that run through the Grail and Arthurian legends, which uh, we are all familiar with. But yet there are bits well, that I, we don't know. So great. I think I think what really got to me was now I've been in this field for over fifty years and prior to your book, um, you know, I thought, okay, so the Holy Grail was, you know, the cup of Christ or or it could be Mary Magdalene and and you just blew that all out of the water. With your book, yes. Yeah. I mean, because the Grail is for all time. It's for all time, and it's not just for one set of special people. Um, it's for all people, and things that are mythic have to be for all people. Otherwise, they're not true myths. Yes, um, they may well, be myths yes. of a particular tradition, but but when they are universal, um, then of course everyone can partake of them. Um, so well, we I have think this, what 
what you what you what you've done is make it more personal because yeah. because it, it it suddenly becomes something i can seek and it it's more magical now than it ever was before and it may well have you know it, it people may have attributed a cup of christ or or mary magdalene and the and the bloodline and all that but but this is so much more and oh, yes. like i said you know the, the the with the different aspects that come into this myth and 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 frankly they call it a myth because they have no physical evidence to it but Someday they may find the physical evidence for all of this and make this a reality, and maybe then people will pay more attention to it. But this this applies to our life today, and it applies to how we live our life today. And maybe um, shortly, if you can, talk about the the, the well maidens and how how some of this started out. What happened? Well, this starts as about hospitality, uh, which is, of course, you know, all spiritual traditions um, have to be hospitable. Uh, uh-huh. And if they're not hospitable, they don't want to go in. It's, it's pretty simple. But um, the story of the Well Maidens um, is that if travelers were, were wandering about and they were feeling tired and thirsty and hungry, that they would apply themselves to the wells where they would be given the food and drink of their desire. Uh, and this custom goes on, which is, of course, the custom of um, the hospitality that is between human beings and fairy beings, uh, which uh-huh. is, you know, all the household uh-huh. of the earth, uh, the household of the earth who share the earth with us. And that that's a reciprocal um, arrangement, which I've identified in this book as the fairy accord, that which connects us to everything else on earth. But then, of course, a time comes when that custom is overturned by King Amangons. And Amangons and his men show up at the wells. They demand to have food and drink. But then they think, well, this is a pretty nice cup. I'll keep this. Um, and they keep it for their, their own personal benefit and gain. Um, and Amangons and his men also rape the maidens of the wells. And so, as the myth says, that from that time onwards... Uh, never did maiden issue forth from the well, nor was that hospitality ever offered again. And it causes the wasteland, um, which means that the the waters that flowed dry up. And it, the the poem says, you know, the kingdom was not worth as much as two hazelnuts because um, everything went to rack and ruin. So it's a it, it's a myth that hits us very immediately because you know. Time, in medieval times, people may have seen the wasteland caused by war or by other sorts of devastation, natural and otherwise, and they may have seen what it looks like when, when people have plague and so on, but they'd never seen what we see now, which is, you know, the, the laying waste of the earth, um, yeah. the using of earth resources in such a way that um, there is neither concern um, nor conscience about what people are doing. I was just hearing a broadcast today about um, the the precious and rare earth metals that are required for 
communication systems and someone had just been out to um, Myanmar and they said the way they do it is they put a substance into the mountain and it's actually it's called blue leaching it's really horrible and um, it dissolves part of the rock and it brings out the things they want and it leaves a complete mess it was just like oh my goodness you know this was I could see it so clearly uh, when they were discussing it. And it's, you know, and these are the things that everyone wants. And, and of course, nobody wants it to happen in their in their land or near them. Well, this is partly why the, the rich fisherman is also known as the wounded king, um, because his wound, I mean, this all goes back to the uh, very early idea that a king must be perfect in body in order to be a king. So if he was wounded in some way, he could not rule. And also because his relationship with the earth was almost that of, of a marriage, in a sense. He married the land. Um, so when he's wounded, um, which he is in a lot of the Grail stories, then the land stops being fruitful. Uh, and this is why you get that connection that keeps on going uh, through all of these stories of the Grail. Um, this is a new, different, and very exciting origin point for that, I think. Well, it all applies to what's going on today, too. I mean, when you when you look at the, the rich company who, who, who were greedy and they, they were, yeah. you know, avarice and they were, they were grabbing power, I mean, we've got that going on today. It's, this, this may be an ancient, ancient, ancient myth, but it's being replicated today. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, human nature doesn't change, sadly. Um, no. But it's, it's absolutely an echo of that. I mean, it, it was, it's as though the, this author particularly um, understood the whole of human nature in that respect, you know, and saw it as exactly what we see around us most of the time, which is, you know, everything fed by greed and personal... Uh, personal acquirement of whatever you want and corporate greed and corporate greed which is very yeah. much yeah. what the rich company are you know they they build castles and cities and towns and boroughs and strongholds uh and all of that and they set up against king arthur and in, in fact they, they actually they actually um adopt the myth as if it was to do with them which of course we're very used to seeing on social media where someone's identity is completely stolen by some other person it's not anything like yeah. um, them at all. Um, and they're doing the same thing. It's like, you know, don't look at the round table nights. Look at us. We're the rich company. We're the original kind of, you know, ones that, that, that sort of rule the world. And it, it, they do remind one inevitably of, you know, of these huge companies who buy up land, knock down the buildings on it, and then slap up some very cheap um, housing. Um, it's exactly the same. This is what the rich company are doing. They're, they are despoiling the land as they despoiled the women, mm -hmm. the fairy women, and they're building what you would, what one might call shanty towns, you know? Yeah. But they make war well, on King Arthur, which lasts for so many oh, years yeah. that, you know, he can't get on, they can't get on with the quest. They can't get on with, you know, the, the, the mainstream of life. They, they, they have to go and sort them out. Um, so, well, you know, well, look, look what look what happens to us. We're enslaved by debt, and we have yeah. to work day and night to keep our heads above water. And in doing yeah. and in having to do that, 
we lose the time and the energy and the inclination to search for the spiritual aspects within us, and and yet it's those spiritual aspects that will save the day, that will, will bring us closer to each other. The gifts so, that are in so it, each as well, that, you know, that if you don't have the time to develop and use and manifest the gifts that you're given, which is your blessing, um, yes. you know, to the world, and... Um, you know, then the world itself is impo- impoverished by that too. That you know, someone that has to work, you know, not just a nine to five job, but a sort of a, a nine to three and then a four to eleven job because they really need to do. They're not doing what they're put on earth to do. No, I agree. and you know, it, it's you know, you you kind of want to go back to the fairy well and and or the well fairy and and. Um, reinstate it in some way shape or form but but it there's a great deal of respect and honor that has to be there in order for that to happen and it's the hospitality uh, you know if if yeah. you are afraid of your fellow man you're not going to share your your bounty with them and it's it's your book is just magical and it just it it does smack you in the face with Holy mackerel! Look at what we're doing here today, and and look what happened back thousands of years ago. Whatever it was, I mean, it's timeless. But but the cycle is timeless too, and it shows how how even when Arthur tried to avenge the um, the fairy the fairy women the well fairy, um, the people he was fighting were were the children of those fairies that were raped and therefore he he couldn't he couldn't fully avenge the original sin so to speak that's, yeah that's really one of the best things about this because you tend to get you know most of the medieval stories um you know i mean i've i've made a great study of mallory's mort arthur which is probably the most famous of the arthurian stories and in that everything is about you know, not well. Vengeance is, is probably too strong a word, but a lot of it is about that, and a lot of it is people being punished for doing this or punished for doing that because they don't mm. agree with whatever. You know, I mean, it, it's nice to find a story from this period which still has that kind of belief in other people. Indeed, and it's a real challenge for us today because, you know, we ask, well, how do we heal the fairy accord? How do we get back to that relationship again? And, of course, you know, um, throughout, you know, our history and the history of people in the U.S., you know, we all have, you know, in our history, um, we have terrible records of colonization and, and you know, the, the subjection of First Nations people and indigenous cultures and so on. Um, and it's like, you know, it is as difficult for us to... Know, recreate the fairy accord is it is as it is to integrate and honor those people um which we're finding you know that this is there is so much water under the bridge how do we how do we heal that and of course it comes back again to um where the fairy um tradition of of the fairy grail starts which is one of hospitality um you know, there are lots of situations around the world where 
um, you kind of think, well, I don't want to talk to those politicians because they've done terrible, evil things. But actually someone has to sit down and talk with them because that is the only way um, that we begin to sort of treat and negotiate. Um, and very often people are very, very cross about what's happened to their land in various conflicts and so on. And, and they have a good right to be. But how do we, you know, by sitting down, by sitting down and sharing hospitality again um, is the very first thing that human beings can do with each other. Um, it's, you know, it's how do we recreate that reconciliation? I know at, at first, I, at one point I said, oh, my goodness, we have become the rich company. And yeah. when you think of, of what we did to um, the First Nation people, who were far more spiritual than we ever were. And, yep. and, I mean, if they had taken the time to learn the spirituality from the First Nation people instead of trying to shove Christianity down their throats, we would be in a much better place today. Definitely. Well, it's exactly the same here in a way, or very similar, that the Romans came in and did the same thing to the Celts or the native peoples of this land anyway. Um, there's some disagreement these days as to whether we should call them Celts or not. But uh, there were certainly <laughs> people here and they had their beliefs. And along came Rome and stamped over them, first of all, with Roman beliefs and then later with Christian beliefs um, when the first of the, the Roman Christians arrived here. So, again, it's always the same story. Um, and, you know, it's only by coming to terms with that and learning how to repair it that, you know, we're going to survive in the long run. But that's the hope of the myth, isn't it? Because, yeah. you, know, um, um, you know, the 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 amanuensis of, of, of the Emperor Julian um, wrote, uh, he, he wrote a, a document about how we worship the gods. And one of the things that he wrote in that was that um, uh, a myth is something that has never happened and is happening all the time. Uh, and that's why we have to go back to the myth again and again, um, because the myth is the, is, is the pure container um, um, for the story. Uh, and that a myth always puts us into the story. Whatever time we're living, whatever time the myth originates in, um, when we hear a myth told, we're immediately in that story. And that is, uh -huh. that's the, the way for us to make reconciliation again um, with whatever it is that, you know, that, that needs to be healed, which, of course, is the work of the grail. As one of our, our friends, um, RJ Stewart, said, he said, if it doesn't regenerate, it is not the grail. Um, and yeah. I think that's a great thing because mm. um, we know the grail because it heals things. Um, and if it doesn't heal things, it just causes arguments and um, and crisis and all the rest of it, um, then it's not the grail. Um, yes. Which well, is think, why you can say that a, an object is is a, a container like the grail, that's fine, and several people have identified se several objects as the grail, but what happens when you do that, when the myth sort of gets embedded in that way, is that people just get cross and angry and fight about the object. And so the well, message I think actually it, is <clears throat> I think your book, though, is, first of all, it's extraordinarily entertaining and in, 
when you, when you're swept into the magic of it, you're actually educated amazingly. So so that you've taken a a, a form of, of of mystical magic, and and through it, you're you're educating people without their knowing it, which I think is wonderful. But I think what we do is we do mythic potholing. You know, every every cave system leads to another cave system, which is further down, yes? Um, uh-huh. And that's really what we're seeing in the book, is that there is this myth, but behind this myth there are all these other ones. And I, um, I think it's worth saying something about myth in a general way, and I love that, that quotation you did, mm. uh, Kathleen, but um, it's like, you know, if you look up the dictionary definition, it says something that's not true. Well, of course, the point, the whole point of myth is that it's real truth. It's not just what we see or perceive around us. So if you say, that's a myth, then people will go, oh, well, that means it isn't real. But if you say, this is a mythic reality, then you begin to touch yeah. on what is really behind well, all that. We've just been in mythic reality in this country with the, the noble and, and very long obsequies of our queen. You know, uh-huh. um, and a lot of people didn't get it. They kind of thought, well, I'm not very interested in monarchy and all the rest of it. But actually, most other people were kind of swept away by the mythic reality of it. And um, whatever, oh, whatever yeah. your thoughts about it, you know, you you had to feel that. I mean, that was palpable. Yeah, we, we, and that was a myth coming topside, so that yeah. everyone could experience it. Um, and, and the queen may have been a very ordinary woman um, who liked horses and corgis. But she was also invested with sovereignty, which puts, you know, her whole life into this other place. And so, you know, I think it's really unfortunate that um, in our time that myth has come to mean uh, a lie, whereas in fact it means the truest thing that there is. Mm. Um, I have have found that those, those, those myths, quote unquote, that have traveled through time, century after century after century there 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 is a truth within them that lives and comes forward every time it's repeated and if there's not that truth within the myth the story the the legend that then then it sort of it dissipates it doesn't make it through time and you're going back thousands of years here with this myth and it is as rich now probably as it was when it when it actually happened and and i i truly believe that that a myth that has lived this long has to have truth at the, at the very core of it or or it wouldn't have survived this long of course absolutely well mm-hmm. I'll, I'll i'll tell you if i can indulge for a moment in a bit of name dropping um i did meet to get to meet um the king as we've now got to call him um, King Charles III uh, several times a couple of years ago and on one occasion we had quite an interesting conversation about the grail which he completely understood as a myth and as what it might mean so that gives me hope for the future for us anyway I would think so yeah well he's very into um, he talks to his plants I mean I talk to mine so um, no I, I saw the queen um, I saw her coronation on television when she was coronated seven, 70 years ago. And um, I found myself saying, 
looking at the clock and saying, it's only a couple of hours for her fu- till her funeral. Let me stay up. And I stayed up all night and all day doing the funeral because I felt almost obligated to tie it up in a bow for her. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, so, so I mean, you, you don't have to be English to, to love a concept. And, and certainly all of us, I, I remember seeing the coronation. I was like eight years old. I wanted to be queen. Now I knew there was no chance that was going to happen, but 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 there was something about it that 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 touched a part of me that was like, I I I want to be connected in some some strange way to this because it's important, and and I think that that your book does that. It it takes you way back. And it says, here's where the magic began, and and here's how it's grown through time, and and all of the different aspects that you you brought into it. I mean, um, the 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 guardian, uh, the seven guardians of the store of the stories, and and the rich Fisher, and the courts of joy, and paradise lost, and, and the otherworldly land of women. I mean, they all make perfect sense. And instead of teaching our children stupidity in school, we should be we should be introducing them to the, these concepts because because in some way it seeds you to understand that hospitality and generosity and treating each other well need not be uh-huh. a religious concept. Indeed. I um, so, so agree yeah. with you, absolutely. I'd rather have that being taught yeah. than a lot of what is taught today. Mm. Well, we, we sort of teach across a very wide spectrum. Um, but I would say that, you know, um, very many of the people that we encounter as students, um, there's an awful lot of them who've just been um, completely insulted, left out, excluded, or in some way um, sidelined by a face that they were following, um, so that they were not made welcome. They were actually cast out or exiled from it um, because of um, that. That essential hospitality was not there. Um, and, 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 and I suppose yet it's, that, a, <clears throat> it's supposedly at the core of every major religion. You know, the the golden oh, rule. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it should be, but it's not, yeah. un- unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, in many ways, religion, and I'm not naming any particular one, you know, has caused more problems for us than if it had not existed. It's when it becomes um, exclusive and um, yeah, and, and when it becomes a powerhouse of something else. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, well, it, but when it, it, it's an open... But then it becomes a rich company, doesn't it? It yeah, does, it yes. Does. It becomes a corporate um, association. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, and a lot of well, religions uh, are very rich. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. Um, but, anyway. but, well, it's just that, you know, you, you're, this brings spirituality back into people's lives, and I love that. And it it That's is a... 
Oh, absolutely. How could you not read this book? The only thing is I, I, I twisted my tongue over all of the names that, that were not, you know, John, <laughs> Joe, and Jim. I mean, it's like oh, yeah. I, I got stopped cold with how do I pronounce that? And well, yeah. it, um, <laughs> I, I read it aloud. I actually, it's actually an e-book as well. Uh, and I read it aloud, and, and it was really fun, funny because the editor of our, our text had sort of gone gone through it, and, and she said, I've no idea what this language is. It's probably Icelandic or something. She couldn't recognize oh Welsh. Uh, so I had to read all of this, and it's got about 26 languages in it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Well, if, if I'd known there was an e-book that you had read, I probably would have done that instead of actually reading it myself. But but I kept I kept yeah. seeing things like, oh my goodness, this makes this makes so much more sense. Um, don't make the Grail religious; make it spiritual, and it, it it expands and it touches everybody's life. Yeah, that's a very important distinction between yeah. religious and spiritual. Yeah, and that's exactly what the Grail is about. Yeah, I mean it's been claimed, hasn't it, over the centuries? And most people, if you stopped them in the street and said, "What can you tell me about the Grail?" They'd say, "Oh, well, it's, um, it's the Holy Grail. It's as you said, it's cup of Christ." But in fact, it existed a great many, many hundreds of years before that, uh, and oh, before yeah. anybody called it. You know, I mean, mm. it, it gets called the Grail, which in mm. itself is a very a mysterious word that no one's ever really been able to translate. Um, it only begins to be called that uh, in the early Middle Ages. Um, before that, there was a vessel. It had various names, but all of them shared one thing in common. It was to do with hospitality, as Kathleen has said, and it's also a kind of hotline to whatever deity it is you happen to, be, to believe in. But sort of the Gradali or, 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 or Grail, um, also, it's a wide dish, so it's it's one me- meant for sharing. Mm. It's one mm. that everyone puts their hand into to to take something out. Um, well, if it's you're more like a medieval. tray. Well, I mean, sort of like a very wide platter. Oh. Yeah, yes, I wouldn't like a quite wide, call it a tray, but I know a, what you mean. A wide mean. platter in which the food foodstuffs are are placed so that everyone can um, can partake of it, much as people do in the Middle East today, where they just sit sit down around such a dish where you know the meat has been heaped up and everyone takes a piece and they eat with their fingers. So um, it has a, a similar kind of use in in medieval feasting well, as that. There's actually a there's a there's a vessel which uh, still exists um, or part of it still exists today uh, in Wales. Hello. Part of what? Hello. Yeah. Okay. I lost you for a minute. So, we're okay, still we're here. Still here. Yeah. I was just saying okay. that there was a um, an object um, in in Wales known as the Nantios cup, which is not a cup at all. It's part of what used to be called a mazer which was exactly this thing, this wide, shallow dish in which you shared, um, you know, food or drink, or not drink, but food, certainly. And it has a reputation as as having extraordinary healing powers and so forth. And, you know, as I said right at the beginning, it's not the grail, but it's kind of a grail. I've just written, um, co-written a book about it, and it has a very interesting history. Uh, in suggesting the way people believe and the way people understand, uh, you know, objects like this. Well, how did how did the two of you 
how were you drawn into this? I mean, did you grow up with this, or, or was there a time where you said, "Let's let's look at the Grail and see if we can find out more more about it"? How did how did this evolve for you two? Well, gosh, and that's not such an easy question as all that to answer. I mean, I think that for me, uh, I grew up in a house that had very few books. Uh, and one of the few books that I did have was a sort of children's book of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. So right from the beginning in my life, I was always reading about this and I always loved it. And um, as I got older and began to think about this, I think I began to realize just how important it was. I started to write a, a novel. This is way back when I was a teenager. I started to write a novel about the Arthurian legends. And after a bit, I found that what I was really writing about was the Grail. And, uh, and then after that, um, I, I met this wonderful person that I'm <laughs> sitting next to now, uh, who I just had the same kind of interest in this material. And in fact, it was really what brought us together, wasn't it? Was, it was, yes, because of course, when I was, uh, I also grew up in a household with almost no books at all. Um, and... Um, so, you know, myth became very important to me um, uh, as I was growing up, because I did manage to get to a library when I was nine. So um, I was well ready for it then, but it was like the myths of the earth had already kind of permeated. <laughs> but yes, I found, I found the Mabinogion, which is, are the Welsh myths. And so, of course, my study has always been the sort of the um, uh, the Celtic end of things and, and um, uh, how those myths lead through um, into the Arthurian legend, which continues them in many ways. So, yes, yeah, so it is what brought us together, because I was talking about the Mabinogion where we were both at work, and um, John heard the name and said, oh, I know what that is. And that was the beginning <laughs> of a friendship, as they say. So there um, we are. But that was, that was 47 years ago next February. So, um, wow. You know, we, we've been really it's wow. that long, yeah. So, <laughs> so it did bring us together, and then of course it just it just got worse from there on, didn't it? In it terms did. of our obsession with, we it just got deeper. We just we, we I, I I wrote a book about the Grail. In fact, it was the very first book I wrote in 1980, um, and it was a picture book mostly. And um, I, I found out a certain amount about it. And when we were, you know, working with the publishers and the pub and the publicists about this book, we went to a, a reception um, in London and we met a very august orientalist. I believe that word is not supposed to be used anymore, but he studied oriental studies, Eastern, Eastern things. things. Eastern things yes. And we were introduced to him um, as people who were interested in the story of the Grail and what was is still known as the Western mystery tradition. And he looked down at us from his both great physical and academic height and said, Oh, but my dears, there is no such thing. And we what? walked away stunned and furious. And we went home and we basically, in the following weeks, months and years, wrote a book together called The Western Way. Which um, is now which, Walkers Between Worlds. Which is now called yeah. Walkers Between Worlds. And basically, it, we, we did it because we said, well, of course there's a, a, a Western mystery tradition. Let's write about it. And that uh -huh. really began... Know, what has since produced between us over 200 books, uh, just following wow. and exploring all this. Well, you yeah. know, prior to your book, 
I I knew, you know, <clears throat> of the the Templars and the Temple of Solomon and the Holy Grail and all of that, but it never occurred to me that there was more to the story. And and now, holy mackerel, um, well, it's so much richer. Well, I'm delighted yeah. to hear it. We it, both it, are. It's, it's lovely. like the head the headwaters of a river. You know, that they start up really small in the mountains and then other rivers add to them. And this yeah. myth is the same. Uh, very many tributaries have come into it. And so if you start at the sea end of things, it's quite difficult to see <laughs> exactly. The waters <laughs> have got rather mixed. But if you go back and you check the tributaries as they come down the mountain, um, you know, you find uh, extraordinary things here. And um, and you can you can see that this is this is a story that has been enriched by very many rivers. Certainly, oh, yeah. I mean, you don't don't worry about the pronunciation either. I mean, I I recently <laughs> published another book, believe it or not, another book also about the Arthurian legends, and it was being recorded um, as a, as an e-book uh, by a, a, a Welsh actor. And I had to write down the pronunciation of every single name in this book. And that was about <laughs> 200 names because even he couldn't get his tongue around them. So well, believe me, you're not alone. <laughs> I, you know, I took a look at them and I said, I know there's guttural here someplace. I know there's, it's, you know, Sam, Joe and John would have been much easier, but, um, yeah. but it, it adds well, you can to, always, the, it adds to the richness, easy. but. But I, I have to tell you, it just it has made the Grail so much more vibrantly alive for me than and something I can be a part of, other than just saying, oh yeah, the, the Templars have it and it's it's buried someplace in Arizona. No, it's not. I mean, it's buried inside of all of us. And I think when you when you when you when you come to that realization then there's a richness in you that, that wasn't there before. And well, it's magical. And, and I, just, I just think your book should be required reading. <laughs> You're too kind. I wish it was. I do wish it was. I mean, it's funny that all, that all these different objects that have been described as the grail. I mean, you do have one in America. It's in the New York Metropolitan Museum. And it's called the, uh, the um, Antioch. Antioch Chalice. And that's yeah. one of the ones that's been to be the grail. But once again, of course, it's not. It is and it isn't. That's the lovely part of it. But I don't... Uh, can we get Kathleen to read a, a little bit of the poem? Because I think that will give oh. people a sense of what it's like. Yeah. yeah? So this, at this point in the story, you know, we've heard the, the myth of the well-maiden. Um, and we've heard... Um, the Knights of the Round Table decide they're going to go off on, on quest and they're going to avenge the Maidens of the Wells. Um, and this is what they found in the forest. But such adventures they found which made many marvel. For in the forest they found maidens you could not ask for any more beautiful, and with them knights, well armed on their charges, there where the maidens were. And together they fought with any who wanted to take them away, and many a knight was killed. But because of the maidens, I would say, were many battles fought throughout the land. And King Arthur could not help losing many a good knight, but he gained many good ones from it, as the stories will tell you. For the first knight that was captured was called Blihis Bleheris. 
he was beaten by Sir Gawain through the great prowess that he had, and he was sent to give himself up to King Arthur. He mounted out without delay to the court. He surrendered himself. By no one was he known, nor did the king recognize him. But such good stories did he know that no one could be wearied on hearing them told. And some of the court asked Laheris about the maidens who rode through the forest, since the court of Arthur had not been there, so they quite rightly asked about them, and to tell what he knew of them, and many willingly heard him and stayed awake many nights, learning about the maidens and the knights to hear and question him. And Blaheris said to them, You wonder greatly about the maidens you have seen going through the forest, and you can't stop asking in what country they were born. I will tell you truly, all of us are born of those maidens. Never will there be any more beautiful in the world those that King Amangons raped. That harm will never be made good as long as the world lasts. And the knights of the table round by courtliness and honour and prowess and strength swore to recover by force the wells of these bachelors, the knights and worthy men. And I would like to tell you all those who travel together, the knights guarding the maidens and the maidens likewise who wander about this land, said Blaheris, throughout the forests and the country, that they must wander so until God allows them to find the court from which joy will come, by which the country will be made, and your adventures will come to those of the court who will seek what has never been found in this country, nor told before. It's just, that's exactly it. That's where it begins. That quest wow. is still going on today for all of us. Oh, well, Yeah. I, I think that, that when was this book published? Was it just recently, or? Yeah, yes, it. The book was published in. Get my glasses on. So it came out in 2019. Yeah. Um, and uh, the book came out first, and then the I I read the um, for the ebook, which is on um, uh, Audible. Uh, um, wow! <clears throat> there's just such there's such magic in it that it's it's amazing. I mean, you know, when you when you touch magic, you, 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 I don't know. Somebody, a Supreme Court judge, was asked to define pornography, and he said, "I can't define it, but I know it when I see it." Um, this is magic, <laughs> and you know it when you see it. You, you do. do, and when you feel it, bad analogy, it, I guess, but there's something about the myth, the myth invests us, doesn't it? It it, it clothes us in itself, and suddenly we Absolutely. feel different. Yeah. And you just want to, you know, I couldn't put it down, and and you know, it's it's I want I wanted to go back and read more about, you know, the courts of joy and and. Um, you know, not so much about the greed, the the greed company, the rich company, because that I understand. But but um, the 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 wells, the the fairies of the well, and and you know everything. It just it was so magical. I wanted more. I wanted to know how they came about and what what was the source of them. And, and you know, you have me to a place where I hear something and it's like, yeah, but what was the source of this material? What what brought you to this storyline? What is the magic that, that, that birthed the other legends that came from it? 
and and you know you you've put it out there and you know I mean the Rich Fisher King I mean wow that was that was really cool and so you know you you've you've given me more magic to share with people and I I just I thank you so much for your it putting it out there. We thank you too for for for, for all the nice things you've yeah. said. I mean. You, I suppose you are kind of, uh, you know, our dream reader, really, the one who gets it, <laughs> you know. Um, so if there's any more out there right now, yeah. get on the phone yeah. and order the book. <laughs> and I think, I think well, the thing I, with this is there's so many myths coming into it. You can read forever. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. And, well, we do have a very large audience, and and I am and I am hopeful that, that this will have um, – just titillated them enough and and made them wondering as well as as to what what the source of of all of these these grail quests that have become actually quite flat and you know yeah yeah I heard that and and you've got the source of all of it here and there's true magic here so I I, I just noticed that we are out of time but I want to thank you so very very much for taking the time to speak with us and and even more thank you for writing a book that's so full of magic that it will live forever I'm sure oh you're you're very kind it's entirely our pleasure it's been nice talking to you and uh, and your listeners and um, well, we hope that you find your own Grail quest and go on it and <laughs> listen to all those people who tell you, no, oh, it's nothing. It's just a myth. It's a bit more I than know. that, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It really is. I mean, I've ta- I have talked to the fairies in my garden every night. So, you know, fairies are something I'm familiar with. Um, not well fairies, but little fairies I, I, I am very familiar with. But I do thank you again. and. And we will um, we will hopefully be in touch and be able to do something else again soon. So thank you very much again. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. Goodbye. Bye. Bye now. Okay, everybody. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you all go out and get this book because if you want magic in your life, this is a way of reminding you that you have magic inside of you. And that's a wonderful trigger to have because when you remember you have magic, then you have access to it and you can apply it to your life and take a black and white life and and make it technicolor. So go find the book. Have a wonderful day. And thank you so much for joining us today. Bye-bye now.